0: back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you've joined Carmelina and our two special guests, John Mitty and Sakile. And thanks so much for joining us. And John, you introduced yourself earlier with a
1: really fun little rhyme. (laughs) Ah, yes, yes, yes. My name is John Mitty from the city, and you can call me the man that's very witty. (laughs) The man, the myth, the legend is back in town again. Amen to that. (laughs) In fact, uh, the first
0: episode's that both Saquila and John were on were so well-received that we decided to have him back for two more. Woo-hoo. So uh, this is our, our next uh, topic. And we, we thought it was a really interesting convergence about the fact that, uh, so John is uh, Haitian and he's married to somebody who's from Spain. Mm-hmm. And Saquila is from, uh, from Zimbabwe and he, she's marrying someone who's from the Philippines. Yes. So it's kind of an interesting—and we were talking about that last time, and we said, well, this would be kind of an interesting episode just to hear about kind of interracial, intercultural relationships. And I know that Carmelina has done a lot of work with uh, people from the inner city and a very totally different culture in some of the summer camp that she worked with. So we can talk about that today and just kind of find out— you know how that's how that works out, and and what you've what you appreciate about the other culture, what has challenged you about the other culture, and how it's caused you to grow as a human being. So first, let's you know start off just kind of asking Sekile and John. You know, so what is it? Have you experienced any sort of culture shock with the families of your your spouse or spouse to be?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: uh, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been thinking about this um, ever since you invited us back for this topic. And um, firstly, thank you. Thank you for having us. And it's it's great to be back. Um, have we experienced any culture shocks? I think with anything, there's always like a, a culture shock that happens when you come from... I only... Not only did I come from Zimbabwe, so I was having a culture shock with American culture which uh, my fiance has been a part of since he was five years old. So not only is he Filipino, but he's also a first immigrant into America. Mm. So there's, it's like intercultures in there. So my experience with his family was experiencing some American traditions and also some Filipino traditions. So sometimes it was trying to navigate not only my world, but the Filipino world and the American world at the same time. Wow. Lots of culture shocks and um, fun things to experience and a couple of challenges along the way.
0: And Filipino culture is very different. Absolutely. Uh, Even very different than American culture. The Filipino friends I have always tell me that their favorite activity is karaoke. Yes. Does Jerome do that?
2: (laughs) So the first time I met his uh, family was at the Christmas where they broke into karaoke so (laughs) it's a thing it's like at the end of the night i think it was thanksgiving now i might i might be mixing up the holidays but it was definitely over the holidays and you know you meet your boyfriend's family for the first time you think dinner maybe a couple of conversations here and there Charm the mom, charm the dad, make friends with the sisters. And now you got
0: to perform. And
2: now you have to perform <laughs> and <laughs> I I mean I loved it. I love to sing. I'm a terrible singer, but I love to sing anyways. I love music, so I had a I had a fun time. So the karaoke thing is absolutely true. They have the machine, they have the it's like the the professional uh, actual like karaoke machine installed in the house. There's oh my microphones. It's a whole thing. So yeah, lots of fun. That's really funny.
0: <laughs> a wise friend of mine once said, if God gave you a good voice, praise him with it. If not, sing loud and giddy. Uh, I love
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> Make I God regret
0: that. not giving you a good voice. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, John? I mean, you're you've been to Spain to see Ooh. Maria's
1: family. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting because Maria actually we met a one week after she came from Spain. Wow! So I got her fresh off the boat, <laughs> <laughs> literally. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is uh, incredible because she lived in Spain for surprisingly. So she was born in um, in the U.S. and left to Spain uh, when she was around two years old. Everyone else is born in Spain in her family, and so she comes in with. A, um, a bit tough, but you know, appreciative type of personality. Very holy. Everything about Spain is uh, relating to the Catholic Church, which is incredible. Even your name, you know, Juan. You know, to Saint John or Maria. You know, everybody has that name. Even the men have the name Maria. Mm, um, that's interesting. Yeah, which is <laughs> pretty cool, actually. Um, and then, but going to Spain was an incredible adventure. The food, the music. Oh, you think that in movies when they play the guitar, it's uh, you find a joy in that. Imagine seeing that live. Mm. So even in mass, oh, they they play that guitar, <laughs> you know. Um, and then also I was learning about um, some of the dances. So Maria learned a little bit about uh, flamingo dancing, and which is quite incredible. Uh, it's agile and fluid, but. Um, very specific and right to the point, you know. So that's the thing about Spanish people where Haitians, you know, we take our time, we relax, you know. If we're having a meal, we talk about everything, football, which I mean soccer, or, <laughs> right. um, you know, uh, playing dominoes. But with the Spanish people, you know, you, you have, when you have a good time, you know, it's more structured, you know. And so Interesting. Um, when I ended up going to Spain, we went to a tapas competition. So... Ooh. imagine tapas all right? so i learned that the spanish people know how to make bread mix their olive oil and uh, put different ingredients on top of it make sure you have your tomatoes as well but i had a spanish um a tail of a bull Ooh, the life-changing of the bull. oh it's juicy oh <laughs> like my gosh the tail oh better Oh. Mm-hmm, tail of a bull? You had to earn that baby. I can't imagine there's <laughs> I'm like, that much what? meat in a tail of a bull. Oh, though. it's very fatty, but it gets the job done. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it was a lot of fun. And then even in the streets, people were just playing music. And But there's a lot of history in Spain. You know, mm. where the Haitian mm. culture, it, 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 we almost um, replicate what the French has had, you know? So the interesting thing is it's more French-oriented. Mm. Compared to the Spanish, which then there's sometimes some competition. The bread, you know, there's either who has the best bread, the Spanish or the French, ah. you know, mm. and who has the best olive oil. Yeah, so there's always this little competition, but it's it's been an adventure. Well, of Love course, it.
0: the island of Haiti has mm. is split between Haiti and Dominican Republic, which is all Spanish. Mm-hmm. They got the French side and the Spanish side. Oh yes. I wonder how they get along or don't get along. I don't know.
1: It, it's it's both, actually. So uh, it depends. If you're in the U.S. and you say, I'm from the Dominican, the Haitians love you. If you're in Haiti and you say, you're from the Dominican, and then there's a little more tension. But uh, they everyone's appreciating being on the same island, you know? Okay. Um, most of the time. Because <laughs> 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 you know? I know Haiti is uh, has gone through a lot more challenges. Of course, with the French taking over, they had a different... Um, a way of kind of um, colonizing the place compared to the Spanish. Spanish tend to t- take care of their land and uh, cherish the foods that they have, and so they did not do too much destruction mm. with the uh, crops. Where the, the the French were like, you know what? We gonna this is a good opportunity for us to sell, take as much as we can, and then um, go from there. Mm. You know, so that, as you can see now, there's a big difference in uh, agriculture. Really? Yeah, between the Dominican and the Haitians. Yeah, and of
0: course, Haiti's gone through such a turmoil just recently with the assassination of the president. mm -hmm.
1: Really, very sad. But, you know one thing about the Haitians? We are faithful, motivated individuals that never give up. We've gone through so much. We were the first first, um, freed slave uh, country that got out of slavery. Mm. We went through dictators that you know, pretty much brought down a lot of people in the country. We went through hurricanes, poverty. We're the number one um, poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. But then again, we have some of the best um, musicians, athletes, scientists. We are. We don't give up. We're resilient. Mm. That's something that even Maria has learned from my culture. Even my mother, who's gone through so much um, with her disability, she still says, "Thank you, God, that I'm alive." You know. Mm. Um, and so that's who we are and meet my grandpa whoo faithful man oh man he will you know he's he's around 80 years old he's still going hallelujah hallelujah you know just singing right. you know when it comes to the Haitians and their praise whoo, you hear them from a, a couple cities away because they they play that drums you know the Spanish play the guitar the Haitian play that bass that drum that's that, right you know and their trumpets too.
0: That's funny because there's there's an interesting Catholic connection to Haiti regarding the uh, the freedom of the slaves. It was uh, a person who's a servant of God, I believe, Pierre Toussaint,
1: mm-hmm.
0: who uh, was kind of the one that led the uprising uh, against the French overlords to kind of set the the, the Haitian people free. And uh, his cause for canonization is open. Wow! So it could be. I think. Do you have any Haitian saints, or is, would he be the first one?
1: Good question. To be honest. Um... If there were it would be more of like a, they were Haitian and went to another country, but that's a good question for okay. I gotta do some research on that. I one. don't know. Any saints from Zimbabwe?
2: Uh, I have no idea. That's a question for my dad. <laughs> okay. yeah. You know what <laughs> Can though? I call a friend? <laughs> that's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> During our break, you
2: can yeah,
0: yeah find out the answer. <laughs> I
1: mean if there weren't if there's not any saints, then we pray that we one day become saints. Right, so I Yes, like, that's mm. the goal.
2: That's right. Amen. Amen know. to
0: that. That's right. So, but Carmelina, you have you've had a different experience, maybe not uh, dating somebody or, or f- from a different culture, but uh, <laughs> working with different cultures uh, during your summer camp. And what was what was that like?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So that has been that was probably one of the most pivotal um, moments of my entire life, and it was so providential how it even happened. Where during my conversion um, in college to the faith, I pretty much kind of everything just sort of fell apart, which I think is pretty common for people going through radical conversions. You have one path in life and then you you take another very different one. And I all of a sudden had nothing to do in the summer. And one of the men who led our student athlete Bible study said, hey guys, I work at this summer camp. Um, if anybody's interested, we teach uh, sports to kids and we also teach them about Jesus. So if you wanna come, let me know. And I prayed about it and I was like, all right, sign me up. Like that was it. And so I was the only athlete that signed up for it and I just showed up.
0: And where where was this camp?
3: So it's in uh Rector, Pennsylvania, which is close to Ligonier. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. about forty or so minutes to an hour outside of Pittsburgh. Um, but it's they have this huge campus and so it's a conservative Christian camp, pretty much non-denominational. I think most of them go to a relatively conservative Protestant church and it was absolutely life-changing. So they they have relationships with different communities around the country, and they bring kids from really just not great communities, right? And we could have 100 kids at, at one time. We have guys and girls. It's completely separate, right? You have counselors, and then you have people in charge of the counselors, and we basically teach these kids about Jesus through sports. Hmm. And it was absolutely incredible. I mean, you see some of these kids come in, And they're so a lot of them are really angry. Like you just you don't know what they've been through. And like, I've been kicked, punched, spit on. They'd started riots in the cabins. Nobody's there to help you. You can't have razors on you because they could be used as shanks Hmm. and um, cussed out. And these are eight-year-olds, right? Talking oh my about. God, I thought right. we were talking about fifteen-year-olds. No, they, I would. No, I mean they. The fifteen-year-olds are actually a little bit more mellow, but the younger, the younger kids, the boys are completely different. But I can only really speak to the girls, um, and it. I mean, I, you know, I grew up, you know, really just kind of in typical commercial society, really thinking of myself, and then all of a sudden, your entire life revolves around these 14 girls that you and two other counselors who you barely know are in charge of for two weeks and you're sleeping in a cabin with them. You have no AC cold showers. You eat last, you shower last and um, it's like preserved food for meals. And you are literally (laughs) completely sustained by the grace of God and
0: probably very little sleep,
3: no sleep, no sleep the whole summer. And, to watch these girls like it you just hit your breaking point like you're in a t-shirt no makeup like you, you haven't shaved in 2 weeks like you just feel <laughs> disgusting you're sleeping in like a 100 degree cabin no electricity and you just got to love them with everything that you have everything and it, you're you're absolutely fueled by grace 100% because you're stripped of everything and you don't have a choice right and sometimes you have co-counselors who might be struggling with like mental problems or physical problems and it's up to you to take over um sometimes your campers will tackle each other to the ground and try and pull each other's hair out and stuff and you have to take care of it it's just you and them and it's amazing like to see the transformation in these kids from the time that they come at eight years old to 18 and they're going to college the first person in their family to go to college it's the most glorifying thing to God mm. and um, this camp what's really great. So I was a counselor for a year and then I joined like the organization of women who was in charge of the counselors. And now thanks be to God, I'm actually on their board of directors now, which is great. And they're like doing all of these amazing things to give back to a community that needs so much. Right. A lot of, um,
0: all these kids from like Pitt- the Pittsburgh area. Or no. So we, over?
3: they've had kids from New York, Pittsburgh, Virginia, um, A lot of different places um wow but it's just so it's so interesting because you know you have this group of girls and they come from different parts of the country but they all have like very similar struggles very similar needs and you just can't help but know that there's something wrong right like when you have when you see the same thing over and over again in the same culture, in the same community, and you keep getting faced with it, right? Like, you can't help but question like, what's going on in this country? Like, these kids are only a small sample of a much bigger issue, of a much bigger problem, of a much bigger population, well, right? It
0: probably comes down to the family, right? The lack of family structure, the lack of the father. In the the biggest
3: world. problem that they will preach at the camp is the lack of the father figure. So they put so much emphasis on helping these boys become men and showing them strong men, like, in their lives. And um, they're actually thinking now about starting a university. Wow. Because a lot of these kids have, um, like, they're not in the great great schools, right? So it's hard for them to make the jump into university. So it's going to function, like, almost like a gap year, where they're going to teach things like theology, math, accounting, economics, like, for these kids to just be in this safe environment to prepare them for the next step, right? So they can discern like, whether they want some sort of technical vocation, whether they wanna to go to college, but they just need good people, good resources, right? To sort of flourish because they're so talented. I mean, yeah, so I, I can't speak highly enough about it. It's an amazing place. It's like just, I used to call it like a vessel of grace, but it's doing, they're doing incredible work. Mm. And, um, I want to get behind it and I do get behind it because, you know, there's so much going on with like, how do we solve equality? What are all of these issues? Everybody's like protesting and there's just so much confusion. And I'm like, but I can see the fruit in this organization Mm. and I will get, I will get past that. Cause one thing that always stuck with me was, it was like my first week at, at the camp, um, there was a little girl, she was probably about 14 And she just wouldn't stop crying. And she like was crying and crying and crying and crying. And so I like took her into a room and she just kept crying. And I was like, honey, like, are you okay? And sometimes you just, they just want to be like, listened to, like, you just have to be there for them. And she was like, I was raped and she couldn't have been older than 14. And it's like, what do you do? Hmm. You know? And I think about that when I think about, um, you know, all of these initiatives that are coming out and all of these like the protests and stuff and i'm like are they helping that girl right because there's other girls like her are they helping that and i know this camp is helping girls like her so that's why i get behind it
0: so how did how were you able to bridge the cultural barrier because i wonder you know how to if they viewed you as just like an outsider you don't understand where we're coming from you don't understand our problems yeah and did you ever feel that way like maybe i don't understand them and, and
3: absolutely Absolutely. I mean, I grew up in a completely different, I mean, these girls are eight years old talking about drive-bys. I didn't know what a drive-by was at eight years old, right? Like a lot of these kids, that's their first real meal since they came to camp the year before. Mm. I never knew what it was like to be hungry, right? And um, I knew that. And I knew that I had nothing to give besides the love that I had for them. But I think part of it was like the girls that, I think One important thing was to, like, say yes, right, like, within reason and to just build relationships with them, like, ask them questions, like, how are you doing? Where are you from? What are you doing? Right. Race and, like, my skin color or I look different, had a different background. It was never an issue. Right. Um, With the girls. So, like, when they would ask me, like, hey, can I braid your hair? I'd be like, heck, yes. And they would make fun <laughs> so of me. you had cornrows? Oh, yeah. Them. my They would make fun of me so bad because the people who run, ran the camp, I'd come out and they're like, you look like you just walked out of prison. <laughs> and I was like, because I had, like, straight backs going the whole way back in my hair. But it was just, I mean, the, the kids especially are so hungry for love. And that's all I could give. I yeah, couldn't right. empathize with their experience, but I could listen and I could love them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not always... Like you don't always have to say something, right? Yeah. Mm. And love
0: love does bridge a gap. Yeah. Absolutely. Because that's the universal language, I think.
3: Right. And it's just like giving of yourself and pouring out yourself by the grace of God. Like loving God first. Like that's what they always said at camp. God first, other second, I'm third. That's their motto. And when you keep it in that order, you can love those campers. And no matter what, your skin color, your background, your socioeconomic status, whatever, you can still love, right? And that's what bridges that gap. Yeah. Right, genuine love.
0: Well, you see a person as an individual, not as a problem, right? Yeah, you know, or a set of problems, and right, that makes a difference. Yeah, right. That's beautiful.
3: It's beautiful. amazing. I they're they're like family to me now, and that's wonderful. It's a really year. special. So, place. so have
0: you been able to keep up relationships from year to year and yeah, these, these girls?
3: So the campers not so much because there's a ton of like you know, you have to be careful, right? Like if they reach out to you on social media, like it's important to keep like boundaries between that. So there was a lot of rules. So I always like either stayed off away from that. It was more about just like investing in the girls in person when I was with them. Mm -hmm. But you can see them come back and it's really fun.
0: That's awesome. That's really cool. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Yeah, that's incredible work. It's amazing. It is like I could just talk about it forever. They're so amazing. Just the work that's being done and how – like when they were even forming the board, the director of the camp, he's like a dad to me now. He's like, I want it to look like the kingdom of heaven. So we have people from all races, gender, like male and female, all different career paths, like everything. Yeah. And he's yep.
0: like,
2: I want it to mirror heaven. And it does. That's great to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's incredible work. And I think what I wanted to say to that um, in answering to your kind of appeal of you know why you know, why the protests, there's so much work that can actually be done to help these girls, and there's so many other girls out there.. Right. I think that there's so much work to be done. We all have to split up. and mm-hmm. both, yeah. And, so, both and. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think that um I think it's important to have allies like yourself, Carmelina, because, you, you do come, you mentioned, from a privileged background where you can add that time. Whereas maybe other women who are also African-American are those girls, but they're just an older version. So they're still dealing with whatever traumas they're dealing with, and they probably can't keep a job, and they cannot get the house. and they So they're still struggling in a system that's failed them. So the only frustration and the only way they can reach out is to protest and to say can somebody please help us right yeah. so I think that um, it, with this movement it's definitely like a baton race like mm-hmm. everybody has to chime in in whatever strength that they can even the people that stay at home and pray, even the people that you know like uh, in the background running organizations and people that are donating, every every bit of help, for the cause is important so I think I just wanted to say like the work you're doing is incredible and to me it's motivating because you know we have uh, kids even here in Stanford mm-hmm. at Future 5 who could use somebody like you right like um, myself and John what is future, are very what familiar is future five? with Future 5 it's a not for profit organization that basically helps um, child, uh, high school kids who come from low-income households within the Stanford area, and um, they basically are like a an institution that helps them with tutoring if they need any coaching skills, if they need... Um, you know, it's either they're gonna have a summer job or they're gonna try and get them into a college route. Mm. So how best can we support these kids? What's What scholarships can we help them get? Because they're mostly first-generation immigrants too or they just came from Haiti, most of them. yeah. And you know, their parents can't support them because between their parents, the mom is working three jobs. Mm-hmm. The dad has two jobs. And so none if of- If there's
0: a dad. If yeah. there's a dad
2: yeah. at, at that. And I think with most of the kids of future five there is there is a, a dad but okay they're just spread so thin right and yeah. there's maybe five other siblings or three other trying siblings. to make ends meet sure and so i think the work that you're doing speaks to me so deeply because of how i'm connected to future five and and having been a coach myself there for about five years now i've been um inactive for this year for personal reasons but um there's such an incredible organization that i think that if we keep going there's we need more energy towards that and for people like you calm that allyship looks exactly like that it looks like stepping in and and trying to help us close those gaps that we can't close ourselves
0: and the key both to future five and to this camp is that love is is the crux it's love that changes Mm -hmm. you know right because policies policies are good but when it comes to the person we love them yeah right we love them for who they are you know right and that can bridge a lot of gaps as you find in your relationships that the that the uh you know the cultures is is not as big a gap because of the love that you have for your spouse Mm -hmm. your future spouse these kids um, I was just reflecting on the, m- probably my biggest uh, cross-cultural moment was my second assignment as a priest was to a, a Hispanic parish in Stanford, and uh, about seven, eight months later, I met with the bishop, and he said, oh, so, you know, how's your Spanish Masses going? I was like, <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. He's like, wait, you don't? <laughs> he assigned me there without, with thinking that I spoke Spanish, so I did not. Um, <laughs> But I could definitely, looking back, see why God put me there because a lot of my ministry was with youth. And Mm. one of the challenges I found with um, Hispanic youth here is that as they became more American, they associated their Catholic faith with their culture. And so they said, I don't want to be Guatemalan. I don't want to be Mexican. I want to be American. So I'm going to leave everything that's Guatemalan behind, including my faith. So I think one Mm -hmm. of my missions was to try to say, no, you can be a good American and be a good Catholic at the same time. Right. we definitely had some some interesting uh, interesting cultural moments because, you know, I would try to teach them how to play Ultimate Frisbee and they would try to teach me how to play soccer <laughs> and I'm terrible at soccer and they would make fun of me for that n- nonstop. Yeah. But I'll never forget that we uh, we went to a retreat one time up in Newtown um, and it was a great retreat and I got a lot out of it and I think the kids got a lot out of it. But on the way back, I asked them, like, what would you guys think? And they said, "Ah, uh, we didn't really like it so much." And I said, "Why not?" And they said, "Well, there are too many white people there," <laughs> and, and I said, do, "Do you do you realize my skin color?" <laughs> and they're like, "We don't count, Father." Do oh, you. that's what they said. They said, "You're one of us." <laughs> yeah, of us. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, thank you. That's a very high compliment, to be honest.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: But yeah, love can can really overcome all of that. Yeah, and, uh,
3: it can. Yeah. And something else I was thinking about that really, like, you know, propels me forward working with the kids is like my my parents always said like never forget where you came from never Mm -hmm. and like my grandparents on both sides were immigrants and um like you know my grandmother was like beaten when she came here And, um, like, we weren't considered white at that time. We are now, but we weren't then. We were Italian, right? We were Italian, and they weren't. And so she was made fun of, and she was beaten, and they were poor, and they were working, like, the dirtiest jobs in coal mines, factories. And um, I remember that. And I remember that sacrifice that they made. And it inspires me, like, now, like, within a generation, like, we don't have to live like that now um, because they came here with nothing, with a dream to live a better life. I mean, even up until 1960, my, my family wasn't able to join the country club where I grew up. Mm-hmm. That's why we had the Italian center, the Irish center, the Polish center, because sure. we weren't allowed to join, right? Sure. And um, first of all, it's just amazing like how much that shows that like race is just like a social construct, right? But the other thing, it's just like, I remember that. And I'm like, I believe in those kids because yeah. you can do it too right yeah well, like, it's,
0: it's good to see that after all those generations finally irish and italians are accepted in mainstream and right. that's the hope is that in future generations we will see a lessening of that kind mm-hmm. of exclusion and racism that we yeah. still see in today's society
3: oh it's total i mean yeah i mean i had so i studied public policy in graduate school and there's just a system like that's failed them it's a system that's failing yeah and it's exploiting a culture and a group of people Keeping a group in perpetual poverty. I mean, it's so blatantly obvious. It's incentivizing fatherless households, people with lots of kids. I mean, it's just—it's broken. But right? I will yeah.
0: say, it seems that the younger generation is is very much, um, you know, more. Uh, racism is not as big of an issue in mm-hmm. in right. the younger generation in high school and below.
1: No, no, you're right about mm-hmm. that, Father. Uh, I think part of it too is the interracial relationship that's growing in the community. You know, everyone um, looks at each other as like, hey, we're it's not about black or white. It's how smart you are Um, or if you play basketball with me or if you are um, willing to go hiking. Yeah. So it's more of a um, cultural thing rather than a racial racial thing. Um,
0: I think we're finally finally realizing that what unites us is stronger than what divides us.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I Mm -hmm. think uh, somebody once said you can you teach somebody how to be racist. So I think that's why you see with the younger generations, mm. it doesn't it's it's very rare because I don't think it's something that's just outwardly taught anymore. Yeah. You know, it's right. it's yeah. we're all just trying to <laughs> survive and we're like a big melting pot <laughs> and people come from so many different backgrounds. Just on this table, it's like Haitian, Zimbabwean, Italian background. Maryland. Maryland. <laughs>
0: Maryland is his own country. Maryland. <laughs> yeah, we're a different breed down there.
2: Cool. So, you know, there's, I think we're more celebrating each other's diversity. Um, and hopefully, right, with our kids, the future generation, um, we'll see less and less and less of this. And we hope the system backs us up.
0: Absolutely. Well, your kids both will be biracial. Mm. Which is beautiful. Can't wait to meet John's uh, new daughter. daughter yeah. Is she going to speak uh,
1: Creole and Spanish? Oh, she better speak both. Oh. She's been going to be tri-quadrilingual. Tri, quad, <laughs> Maria speaks Spanish, Portuguese, and then I wow, speak Haitian Creole. Mm-hmm. She nice. spent some time in Brazil. It's very important nowadays, especially if parents are trying to get their kids to speak multiple languages, that one parent speaks one language, the other parent I've speaks I've heard another. this. Yeah. So it has right. been very effective. Um, and also reminding the kid where they come from. Very important because, yeah. yes, yeah. The our kid's going to know she's Spanish. She also has some Colombian in her too. Our kid's also going to know that he's Haitian, American. There's a bit of Cuban in him uh, as well. So you got to just... Embrace it Expose them And enjoy the moments That you have The new mini, mini baby Coming in October 2021 Oh uh, yes October, October, yeah, 26, there we go. October 26 October 26 Yeah, mm-hmm. well, yeah. God, God bless man, Good. God bless you yeah, We man. cannot wait We cannot wait Yeah Oh yeah Thank God St. Joseph Thank you And uh, praise the Lord
0: Amen. Amen Well thank you for joining us On this episode of Restless You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network 1350 AM And wherever you get your podcasts Tune in next time